0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. You need to have that firm foundation in Jesus to commit to him and serve him faithfully no matter what's going on. And that's Paul's uh, word to Timothy. Stay strong. Be a workman approved of God. So we're going to look at 2 Timothy. Let's look at chapter 2 today. Verse 14, we're gonna come back to chapter one because I wanna talk about chapters one and two. It flows very well together. But chapter two of 2 Timothy, verse 14, we're gonna look at that this morning first. We need to have a firm foundation is what the Bible's telling us. But verse 14 of chapter two, it says this, keep reminding them of these things. He's telling Timothy, keep reminding the church of these things, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word of truth that we just read. And Lord, I pray that we would be workmen, God, workers of you, that we would work diligently, we would serve you, we would be committed to you, that we wouldn't be swayed by whatever happens in our life and in this world, Lord, that we would serve you diligently even through the bad times. Father, help us to have that firm foundation only on your word, the truth. And Father, help us to understand what it means to be a workman of Christ. Lord, that we want to be approved by you. We want to please you in everything that we do. And so, Lord, we are asking you that you would reveal yourself to us, that your Holy Spirit would be present to us, that we'd be encouraged, we'd be equipped, we'd be ready to go out into this world that doesn't know you. Father, that needs to hear the gospel. But Father, we need to have it first in our life so that we can share it with others. So help us to be men and women who are workers of you and serving you continually. We thank you for everyone here, Father, and I do pray a special prayer for the seniors as they get ready for college and everything that they need to do. Lord, I pray that you uh, just go before them. And Father, everything, everybody that's in this room, I pray that you would just um, help us to finish strong in school. Lord, that we would just be diligently working for you every single day of our life. Lord, that we can just uh, know who you are, rest in you, rest in your peace, And Father, just take away any distraction we have this morning, help us to focus on you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen, that word approved, look at verse 15 again. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. You can underline that word. That word approved can also mean accepted, as one accepted unto God. God accepts you and me. He wants to approve of you and me. He is searching this whole world. The Old Testament tells us that God seeks out who he wants to do his business, who he wants to use in this life. He approves, he accepts every single one of us. We, we love it when we're accepted. We love it when we're approved of something for our practical lives. I'll just go down a list. We're love it when we love it, when we're accepted on a sports team, when you make it on a sports team and you try out hard and you're approved, you're accepted, you've made the roster, you're happy, it's great. Now the hard part comes with practice and games and making sure the coach doesn't yell at you 24 seven, but you've made the team, you've accepted, you've been accepted, you love it. We love it when we're accepted on the job application. Everyone filling out a job application maybe, juniors, seniors, sophomores, maybe even freshmen, I don't know, we need to all get jobs going, all right? We need to work, God wants us to work, be committed, not be lazy. And so we love it when we're accepted on that job application. You fill out a job application and maybe, I don't know, I'm just thinking of off the top of my head, I was gonna say Blockbuster, but that's not there anymore. Uh, let's, let's go with AutoZone, that's actually took the place of Blockbuster. God bless Blockbuster soul, I don't know, anyway. Say you got a job at AutoZone. Fill out a job application. I've made it to the AutoZone, all right? (laughs) Does anyone work at AutoZone? Okay, anyway, it's a great place. I've walked in there maybe two times in my lifetime. Anyway, uh, you've been accepted to AutoZone, you love it. I've been accepted. When we're accepted into jobs, we love it. Another thing is, when we're approved on your driver's license test, you've passed. Who has their driver's license in here? I need to watch where I'm doing on the road. I do not want any of you to come near me. I'm I'm nervous. No, I'm a a great driver. I just don't know about you. Anyway, you've passed, you've made your driver's license accepted and you have it, you've been approved. It's a good feeling. It's a great feeling, all right? You know, I was 17 when I got my license. I was old. I drove my senior year, loved it, have a good old Chevy Cavalier, 97 Chevy Cavalier. Was gold. It was disgusting. It was my grandpa's, he handed it down, didn't have to pay a cent for it until the power steering fluid just drained out of that baby. And I literally, one time on the road, I'm driving, I can't turn. I'm serious, it starts smoking, I can't even turn. I literally had to just go, oh, please make this right turn. Told my dad, my dad's like, we need to get a new car. Anyway, so when I got my driver's license, 17, drove that Chevy Cavalier for just like one year, uh, maybe two, actually, maybe three. Yeah, it just was, it was annoying. Then I got the Jeep Cherokee, now I got a Jeep Wrangler, love it. Anyway, uh, when you get your driver's license, it's a good feeling, you're approved, you're accepted, I'm in, I love it. Here's another one. You're approved for a job well done in your math test. I hate math. So when I got an A, oh my gosh, that was like so good. I didn't even take, what did I take in my senior year? I didn't even touch precalculus. Don't even talk to me about precalculus. I hate precalculus. I took algebra plus, wait a minute, algebra plus trigonometry, oh yeah. Still have no idea how I passed that class. I hate math. If you love math, who loves, who's a math lover in here? Come talk to me, because I, I don't know if I would ever like you. You need to help me with my math. I hated it. I loved, oh, here we go. I'm getting off a tangent, but I, this is what I loved. Oh, still love it. History. I got a lot of moans. Who's a history lover? History buff. Hey, it's all the men. It is, mostly the men. And one woman. Yes, love it. You love history too? Yes, I love it. I love learning about George Washington. Chopping down the apple tree, even if it was a legend, I don't know, love it. All right, shh, getting off topic. But if I was accepted and I approved, my my teacher loved me and she gave me an A, because I did my work right, all right, not just because she loved me, but I get an A on my math test, I love it. You feel good, you feel great. Last and finally, approved as the lead role in the play. If you are in drama or play and you got the lead role, Hallelujah, you are just famous now. It's awesome. Now, I never went to any drama plays. I've been to them now since I graduated high school, but when I was in high school, I just didn't didn't go. They didn't like me. I didn't even try out, but I knew if i try out, I would've gotten the lead role. I'm telling you, I would've. Anyway, never mind. But again, my whole point is, we love it when we're accepted, we love it when we're approved, we love it when we made it, and people like us, it feels good. It boosts our esteem up, we love it. The same thing goes with our walk with the Lord and our spiritual life. He wants to approve of us and accept us, but we need to work. We need to work at it. Now again, I'm not talking about working for your salvation. We already know that the Bible makes it clear. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Not about works, so no one can boast. But God still calls us to be men and women who work diligently, who serve diligently, who are continuing to live and walk with Jesus in a daily relationship with him. He calls us to do that. He wants to approve you and I. He wants to place that stamp of approval, that acceptance, that you've made it, I love you. Now again, God loves all, but he wants those to come in a relationship with him to be called his children. Again, I think this world is a little twisted because it says that we're all children of God. No, we're not. The Bible makes it clear. Once you ask Jesus into your heart, you're a child of him. You've been adopted into his family, but when you're outside of the family and you're living your own life, you haven't accepted Jesus in your heart. You're not a child of God, you're a child of the devil. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say it, the Bible says it. We're wandering out around this world on our own. We're children of the devil, we're children of darkness. God says, I want to adopt you into my family, I want to accept you and approve you into my marvelous light, then you are a child of me. But we need to work at that. Look again in verse 15. Paul would say this to Timothy. Timothy, I just want want you to try your best. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. He says, Timothy, I want you to do your best at this because this is gonna be the hardest task you will do. It's easy to do it in the church. It's easy to do it when your life is great. It's easy to do it when you're happy. But when something wrecks your life and you go outside these walls and there's persecution, are you still gonna be approved by God and be a workman at it? Are you still gonna serve him continually, be diligent in it? That's the question we have for all of us. And God is seeking those to approve. There's three things I wanna look at, three things on how you and I can be a workman of God, how you and I can be a worker of God. That word workman basically just means a laborer or a worker, one that works diligently, serves him, continually, continually lifts up the name of Christ. You're spreading his gospel. How you and I can be a workman of God. What is Paul talking about to Timothy? What does that word mean? Here's what it means, Number three things. As a workman of God, he wants us to do this, don't be ashamed. As a workman of God, when you're in this world, there can be times where you can become a little ashamed of your faith. I've been there, I've done that. I've been ashamed at one point, okay? I think a lot of people think like, if you're a Christian, you can never be ashamed of who Jesus is, but I think all of us are human. I think it happens once in our life in our, in, once or twice in our lifetime. It happened to me at school. There were times where I was ashamed of, you know, knowing Jesus, that I was ashamed of being a Christian. Then God convicts me, God says, look, my grace is sufficient for you, Don't be ashamed of who I am, I saved you by my blood. Why are you ashamed of me? Because no one's gonna like me. Really, that's why you're ashamed? Man, I don't wanna be that person on the great white throne judgment when God says, hey, were you ashamed of me? No, I was never ashamed of you. Yes, you were actually, remember this time, you were ashamed of me, you disowned me because of popularity, because you weren't gonna be liked by your friends. It's gonna be worse for them that don't know Jesus who see Jesus now face to face and and says, where where was I this whole time? Now I know Jesus is is the Christ, the son of the living God. And you could have had a chance to be a witness to them, but yet you were ashamed of Jesus, so you did whatever they did. I've been there, I've been there, it's tough. So to be a good workman of Christ, to be a good workman of the Lord, be diligent in this. Paul says, number one, don't be ashamed. Let's look at chapter one, verse eight. Chapter one, verse eight, he says this, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Number one, first and foremost, and then he says, don't be ashamed of me as a prisoner either. Because in that time, I think a lot of people put a lot of stock into Paul, because Paul was the man. I mean, he did, he wrote a third of the New Testament. He was used by God greatly. So when they are associated with Paul, but Paul's in prison, that looks bad. Society's like, who is this idiot, this jerk? He's in prison, and you're still following him? So Paul says, First and foremost, I don't want you to be ashamed of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of who Jesus is because he saved you and he loves you. He's a friend of you. Are you gonna be ashamed of your friend? Don't be ashamed of him. And also don't be ashamed of me that I'm in prison. Don't put your stock into me because I'm Paul and I, and I wrote the third of the New Testament. Put your stock in Jesus. Don't be ashamed of who you are in Jesus. Your identity, if you're a Christian today, is found only in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be ashamed of that. But again, we are human. You know, Christians are not sinless people. We still can sin once in a while, but God says that you need to be secure in your foundation in me and you need to understand that when you are ashamed of me, just because you want to please other people, it never goes right. It may lead people, others others astray. You You may be known as a hypocrite because you do the things they do. Hey, I thought you were Christian. Why are you doing this? And that's when it can be dangerous because Jesus does not delight in that. He's not pleased by that, but he's going to reward you when you're unashamed of him and you can speak boldly about Jesus to your friends, Jesus is gonna bless you for that. You may be persecuted by the world and you may feel like, why am I persecuted? I feel like I'm cursed rather than blessed. God says in the end, it may take a year, it may two years, it may take 10 years down the road, but he's gonna bless you and reward you for that. He says, don't be ashamed of who I am. I love you, I died for you, I shed my blood, and if you're ashamed of me, there is, a, there is a strict verse in the Bible where it says, when you come to the Father in heaven and you disown Jesus on here on earth and you're ashamed of him, he says, I'm gonna be ashamed of you. I'm gonna disown you, I never knew you. Saddest verse in all the Bible. Don't, don't be that. Don't be ashamed of who Jesus is. Don't be ashamed of who you are in Christ. You wanna be a good workman of the Lord and serve him faithfully, don't be ashamed. That's first and foremost that we need to do. He also says in, ch- in verse 15 of chapter two, we read it, a workman approved who does not need to be ashamed of the gospel, not to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth. Let's not be ashamed. You can write this verse down also, Romans 1, 16. I love this verse, Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Paul says, first and foremost, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. You can hurt my feelings, I'm okay. And if the gospel offends people, it's okay because truth hurts. Isn't that interesting how, look, everyone talks about tolerance in the world. We all need to tolerate each other. But when the Christians speak up, it's like, shut up, Christian. But we need to tolerate everybody. Really? But you don't tolerate the Christians? No, because Jesus said, if you serve me, you're going to be persecuted. The world's going to hate you because of me. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, and get this, folks. Jesus hated me before it ever hated you. I'm sorry. (laughs) It sounded right in my mind. The world hated me, Jesus is saying this, the world hated me before it ever hated you. There we go. Sorry, Lord. We'll just edit that out of the podcast. Anyway, I said it in my brain. You know how when you're saying something in your brain, you think you're saying it right and it comes out weird? What did I just say? Anyway, don't be ashamed of who Jesus is. Don't be ashamed of you in Christ. Your identity is found in him. Let's go to number two. Number two, endure hardship. it's getting tough. Chapter two, verse three. Look at chapter two, verse three as you're writing it down. It says this, endure hardship, Paul's telling Timothy, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I love this, endure hardship, like a good soldier, hardship is there. Oh, State Farm, shut up. I hate that commercial, but anyway, when I read it, it like came to me, like endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Anyway, now you're going to remember that forever. I love it. Chapter two, verse three. Paul says, I want you not to be ashamed and I want you now, you're gonna endure hardship. Don't give up, don't give in, don't quit. Endure hardship that comes with it. And he gives us three examples. I'm not gonna read it verbatim from the Word but you can look back. He gives three examples of those who work hard and endure hardship. He gives an example of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. He says, all of these three things have in common. They work hard, they're enduring hardship, they're patient, they're diligent, they're committed, they don't quit, they don't give up. A soldier, a farmer, and an athlete, they train what they're they're doing. They wanna win for the prize. The soldier wants to not get involved with civilian affairs. He wants to please his master. The farmer waits patiently for the rain, for the crops to grow. All of these three things have in common, these three situations, a farmer, a soldier, an athlete, they work hard, they endure the hardship because they know that hardship will come. That's the same thing with our Christian life. You can work hard. You can endure hardship as a good soldier. You can endure hardship as an athlete. You can endure hardship as a farmer. Because Jesus says, the world's going to hate you. There's going to be persecution. I want you to endure that. I want you to endure hardship because it's going to reap a bountiful harvest. You're going to receive the crown of life. It's amazing what God says in our word that it kind of is countercultural to us today. It's like, I don't want to endure hardship. It hurts. It stings. I don't like it. People, you know, people make fun of me. I don't want to endure it. Why, why do I, as a Christian, have to go through this process of being persecuted, of being unloved, of going through this pain? Because Jesus says every time it's going to reap a harvest, you're going to build character through me. You're going to persevere. You're going to understand what it means to be a follower of me, a man and a woman after my own heart, being a leader in the church, understanding that, look, the world looks at things differently than what the Bible says, and Jesus flipped Always, he flipped the economy. He flipped everything in our culture. He says, look, love your brother, love your enemy. Don't hate him. The world says, get revenge, get back at them. Hate your enemy. Jesus says, I want you to love your enemy. And guess what? I want you to pray for them. I don't want you to get revenge, pray for them. I'll take care of the revenge. I'll take care of it. You pray for them. So in this Christian life, Paul is telling Timothy, it's not gonna be easy, but being a workman of Christ, a workman of God, God's gonna approve you. He's gonna accept you through that so enduring hardship is one of the process we need to do to be a workman of Him. Number three, and finally, we need to flee evil and pursue righteousness. If we want to be a workman of God and we want to be accepted and approved by Him, we want to please Him, we're going to do these three things. And the third one is flee evil and pursue righteousness. Look at verse 22 of chapter 2. Paul would say this now, flee the evil desires of youth, he says that, and pursue righteousness, faith love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You know, this is one of the verses where it's good for for high schoolers. Flee the evil desires of youth. Now, now, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy was probably around mid-20s, early 30s, actually, so he's no longer like a high schooler, if you will. But in that time and day, they were considered to be pretty young because the leaders in the church, the leaders in the synagogues, the leaders in the temple were always older, older men, 60s, 70s, 80s. Pretty old. No one's 16, and 17, and 80 in here, right? Okay, we're good. Anyway, if you were that old, you were considered mature, a leader, you know, the best, an elder. If you were considered in your 20s and 30s, you're considered too young to be pastoring the church, too young to be knowing who Jesus was, too young to be telling what me to do. You're a 30-year-old, you're telling me what to do, a 70-year-old? No. That's why Paul would always say: look, don't let anyone look down on you, Timothy, because you're young. You set the example. Now he's telling him, flee the evil desires of youth. You need to set this example. So Paul would say this, he wants us to flee the evil desires and then pursue righteousness. It goes hand in hand. If we wanna be a workman of Jesus, a workman of God, you need to understand what your sin issue is. Everyone's got some sort of struggle. Everyone goes through some sort of sin, maybe some bigger than others. Maybe someone struggles with one sin, but someone doesn't really struggle with that sin per se, but they struggle with something else. We all go through the same disease, it's called sin. Paul says, I want you to flee from that, run away from it. I think of Joseph. When Joseph was tempted and, and uh, seduced by Potiphar's wife in Genesis to sleep with him, Joseph says, I'm not doing this. You're married to Pharaoh, the king of the known world. I'm not doing this. This would be ungodly in God's sight. She kept seducing him day after day, it says, tempting him. And finally he says, I can't take anymore. And he literally ran, ran out. She grabbed a piece of his cloak. Then she made up a lie that says, hey, Joseph tried to get me to sleep with him. Look at this. Potiphar believes his wife, throws Joseph in prison, and Joseph's like, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. But see, in God's sight, he did everything right. And he would bless Joseph for that. But guess what Joseph had to do? He had to flee. He had to run, literally. He had to run. I wonder what Joseph's life would have been if he gave in to that temptation. You and I need to run, flee from the evil desires that always come into our minds, into our hearts, what we see on TV, and it's so easy for us to access it, it's so easy for us now. We've got iPhones, we've got social media on the iPhones, we've got TV, we've got MTV, we've got magazines now, everything, this 21st century now can be the best century of any century because everything's right at our fingertips, but it, be, it can be the worst, most tempting century and generation that we've ever seen because everything's in front of you, it's hard. So Paul says, number one is fleeing evil desires. Now, again, you know what you go through. You know what you struggle. Jesus knows what you go through. He wants you to give him that. Because after you flee the evil desires, look what it says. It says he wants you to pursue righteousness. Not only righteousness, though, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And if you are going through something, some sort of sin issue in your life, This is what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you you to call on his name, call out to him. And if it's too much for you to keep running, then just tell Jesus, you need to go with me, walk with me. He wants to go with you. He doesn't want you to run at it alone. He doesn't want you to be by yourself going through the evil desires and struggles and temptations and everyone thinks, just because I'm going through this, this means God's abandoned me. He's not walking with me. He's not there. God's always been by your side. It's you and I who have run away. God says, I wanna walk with you, I wanna run with you, but you need to get away from this. I'll put it on my shoulders. I want you to now pursue righteousness. Make that 180. A lot of us like to go this way, flee. We, run, we like to run to the evil desires. We like to be tempted and we like to be you know, in that area. He says, I want you to flee away from that and I want you to start pursuing me, pursuing righteousness, godliness, peace, love, faith, everything that Jesus is about. The fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. He says, I want you to pursue that because it can be hard. We can get so easily entangled with every sin issue that we have that we think, I can't get over it. I can't get over that hump. I can't make it, Jesus. I give up. That's the last thing that Jesus wants to hear from us. Jesus, as our coach, if you will, he wants us to be approved and accepted by him, to be workmen of him. And it includes all three of these things. So number one, if you're going through one of these things, maybe you're ashamed of Jesus. Maybe you're not ashamed of Jesus, per se, but you're ashamed of your faith. Yeah, I don't really wanna talk about my faith in front of everybody, I don't really like that. I just wanna be accepted, I just wanna go into school, get out, go to my job, go home, go to be with friends, but I don't need to talk about Jesus. That's true, you don't have to talk about Jesus, but if someone brings it up, are you gonna be ashamed of it? Oh, why do you have to talk about faith in God and the Bible? Please don't talk about that. I don't wanna talk about that. That's a sign right now, it's a dangerous path to go down if you're gonna start be ashamed of your Creator, your God, your Father, who loves you. Breaks God's heart whenever we're ashamed of him. Now, I love it now. It's it's easy for me to say, I guess, but I've I've been through where you guys have gone through, through high school, through college, even at college, even going to Christian universities. There's still people that are sinners. Just because you go to a Christian school doesn't mean that you get away from all the sinners. Everyone's still there. And even at a Christian school, You know, there's influences. There's people that, you know, don't see the same values as me. And I'm like, why are you even here? Don't you understand? Like, and I, and God would, you know, mold me and make me more into him. And I'd be less ashamed of Jesus. And, but high school was even worse. High school was just hard. Everyone who's around you, you know, they have their own identity. They want to make you into something that you're not, but you can say, look, my identity is found in Jesus. This is who I am in him. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's powerful to save you, my friend, to save me. It's powerful, let's not be ashamed of him. Let's also endure hardship. We gotta remember to endure hardship. If you're going through a hard time right now, that might be the best time of your life because you can learn perseverance, you can build character, you can understand what it means to be patient, you can understand what it means to have peace after it, that passes all understanding. You can understand what it means to have Jesus walk hand in hand with you through any situation. If you, ever, if you never go through a hard time in your life, I mean, I don't know where you are with the Lord. Everyone goes through hard times when you're a Christian. If you're not, it's because you don't know Jesus, you do anything you want. There's no really hardships. God says, and when you're walking with me, I want you to endure it. Be that athlete, be that farmer, be that soldier, go through it, work hard. And number three, we need to flee from the evil desires that we have, evil temptations, evil that is all around us. We need to flee from that, start pursuing righteousness. Now again, you can read these three things and go home and be like, oh, that was a dandy sermon, love it. You can get right back into what you've been doing though. This has to be real for you, folks. This was real for Timothy, because this was Paul's final word to him before he would die and pass the torch to the next generation. And we have it for today, 2,000 years later. The church is still passing the torch to the next generation because God is looking and seeking those who he wants to approve and accept to be a workman of God. Just like we can be accepted onto a sports team, God is looking for those to accept and approve to be a workman of Him. There's different stages in the Christian life. You may be saved, but you're just not that mature. You can still be immature and be saved. God wants to build you, He wants to mold you, He wants to make you more mature like Him, be more like Christ. Let's do that today. Let's be workmen of Jesus, living for Him diligently, not caring what the world says, not being ashamed of who Jesus is. We don't want Jesus to be ashamed of us, amen? I don't want that. I wanna be accepted by Jesus today, live this life that Jesus has given me to share his gospel. I don't want you guys to do the same thing, amen? Amen, let's pray, I'm gonna pray for you guys. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just lift up every man and woman in this room, Lord, that they would know what it means to be a workman approved by you. And, Father, it's, it's going to take diligence. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to be hard. But we want to endure the hardship. We want to work, Lord, for you. We want to serve more for you. And, Lord, it's, it's tough in this world. But I pray specifically for those that may be ashamed of you. Father, may be ashamed of their faith. That don't like going through the hard times. so they try to bypass it. They want to get back to the happy times, Lord. Or maybe they they still haven't fled from the evil desires, they're still kind of pursuing that rather than pursuing righteousness and pursuing you. So Lord, help us to be men and women who are workers of you, who know what it means to work diligently. Lord, I pray that we would try our best. Lord, sometimes we're gonna fail, sometimes we're gonna fall. That's why Paul says to Timothy, try your best. Lord, we just wanna do that. We wanna be men and women who try our best every day to be pleasing you so that we are accepted, we're approved. Even if the world doesn't accept us, even if our friends don't accept us, even if our own family members don't accept us, Father, we know that you will accept us if we please you, if we're unashamed of you, if we're pursuing you. I pray that each and every one of us would do that. Lord, that we wouldn't be ashamed of the gospel, we wouldn't be ashamed to talk about you with our friends. Lord, I want this to be life-changing for us because we understand what goes on in the church, but we need to have power, Lord, by your Holy Spirit outside the church as well. So Father, thank you for this time. I pray you go before us now as we go on our day, as we finish strong in the school year. Help us to be still workmen of you, even through the summer, Lord, to be in season and out of season, always learning more about you and to please you more. We love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name everyone said, amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.